Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. On a long motion towards the center, now back towards the right. Raiders come with four. Here comes the fifth rusher. And he's sacked! And the Raiders' defense holds on fourth down. And I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. TDLD! Raiders in the end zone! Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. It is a game week. That's right. We didn't know if we were going to make it here. It's been so funny talking about the preseason. We get amped up that it's been game weeks during the preseason. Oh, man. Going to be taking on the Dolphins. Going to be taking on the Patriots. Preseason game number this. Preseason game number that. Preseason game is over. It is a regular season week that we're talking about. Of course, with Labor Day, hopefully everyone enjoyed their Labor Day. We were all off. Got a little bit of R&R, a little rest and relaxation because the grind becomes real and it becomes real as of today. It is going down in a major way. Uh, kiss your kiss your wife, kiss your kids, do whatever you got to do. Let them know that you won't see them until, uh, until the Super Bowl is over because that's just how it is when it's football season. And so we all had a little bit of rest yesterday, but we're all back at it. The Raiders are back at it. Uh, head coach Josh McDaniels is back at it. The front office is back at it. Everyone is back at it in preparation for this week one matchup in L.A. versus Chargers on Sunday, SoFi Stadium. Very excited to be with you here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And as we enter the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, and yes, I am in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I look around, I see the Cadillac symbols on the wall. I'm like, oh man, how I miss this place. All this Cadillac around me. Cadillac, Cadillac, Cadillac. Side note. I was looking at, uh, I was online, and you know how your computer knows you? Your computer knows you better than you know you, so it knows your tendencies. So whenever I'm on the computer and I'm Googling stuff, or I'm on a website, or I'm on Twitter, not normally Twitter, like when I'm on ESPN or something like that, all of a sudden, Nikes and Cadillacs are the two things that pop up. Nikes and Cadillac. If Nike has anything, it'll pop up as, hey, checking out this shoe. Or actually it said, are you still interested in these Air Max 270s? I was like, damn, man, get out my head. You know, so that's one thing. But then Cadillacs pop up as well. So those are the two things that always pop up. Nikes and Cadillacs. And there was a Cadillac that popped up the other day, Damon. Man, brother. <laughs> Lucky I got some kind of self-control. And when I say self-control, I got a wife that controls the bank account, right? You say it like it's a pair of shoes, like you put the ad to cart. Hey, man, I damn near tried. (laughs) (laughs) I damn near tried. Hey, man, this thing was so sweet. Oh, my goodness. And I know that you can't do, just like you said, you can't take the Cadillac and just add it to cart. But, brother, if I could have, I would have. Man, I was looking at this thing, and all I kept thinking was, are you kidding me? Or you like I, you know, like I would have had to try to wrap this thing in bubble wrap as I'm riding riding down 215 to get to the radio station because I wouldn't even want nobody to touch it. It was so sweet. But anyway, my computer was talking to me, so it told me Nikes and Cadillacs, and I said, "Well, let's go on back and look at the Nikes instead." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're a lot more affordable than these Cadillacs. But man, back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, it's been a while since I've been here, and it's great to be here. And right now, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm actually a little jealous that I'm here, and I don't know how I'm going to be able to work this out, and I don't think I can. Right now, or in a matter of minutes, uh, the Raiders locker room is going to open up. So guys like Ed Graney, Adam Hill, Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang, you know, uh, Cassie Soto, uh, Tashawn Reed, all, all the usual suspects are going to get to go into the locker room on the game week 
following practice and talk to the players. Now, every player is not going to be made available in the locker room, but there's still a better shot than what you normally get at the podium. So, unfortunately, the way that this is set up, and now that they're in regular season mode, they have practice, and they have it a little bit later. So, head coach Josh McDaniels talked around 11.45 this morning. Actually, it was impromptu. We didn't really realize he was going to be talking today until about 11 o'clock. All of a sudden, we got the email. Oh, by the way, head coach Josh McDaniels is talking at 11.45. And I'm looking around like, wait a minute. I got a meeting in like five minutes with Natalie, and Natalie's the big boss. Just go ahead and say that right now. She's the big boss, so you can't just say, hey, Natalie, by the way, I got to go. I'm busy. <laughs> Natalie tells you when you're busy, right? So I was like, nah, I can't do that. So that was unfortunate. Missed that uh, that press conference with uh, head coach Josh McDaniels. And now, right now, the locker room is open. And so, you know, you get those conversations that you're not going to get at the podium. So that's unfortunate. So all weekend long, I've been actually working on how I could – do the show, and be in the locker room at the same time. And Damon, I came to the conclusion that it just don't work. Yeah, it doesn't work unless the Raiders gave you the special access. Q, do the show live from the locker room. Oh, yeah, that would go over well. <laughs> I'm sure that would go over well. Uh, you'd really have to keep your uh, finger on the dump button. I'm sure that that would be uh, a big issue. They saw me. Oh, man, I can imagine that, me being in the locker room doing a show at the same time. No, I was trying to figure out how maybe I could be do the locker room, you know, uh, access, and then also jump into the media room and, and do the show. But it's just the timings just aren't there. So unless they move it up for me, head coach Josh McDaniels, everyone else listening, the uh, GM Dave Ziegler, if you guys want to move everything up, that'd be great. But of course, they're not worried about me. So uh, yeah, so we'll talk to we'll talk to Ed Grady actually on today's show, and so we'll see what he said about you know the locker room and what's the mode, what's the mood of the players, right? I mean, this is a game week for the longest. We've been talking about preseason games. We've been talking about training camp. All that's done. Now it's game week. Now guys like Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, guys that you haven't really seen. Nate Hobbs, I know you saw him early in the in the Hall of Fame game, but really haven't seen much of him since then. Devontae Adams, obviously. Darren Waller, uh, a lot more Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr. All these guys that we have not seen, we get an opportunity to see this week because it gets real. Exactly. Like you said, it gets real. I know the preseason games, when every player came over to the podium after practice, and it's just, hey, man, it's still a game week. Focus on the Patriots. Focus on the Jaguars. You had to say those things. Right. But this is just different. There are no more excuses. Hey, we got to get better. The time to get better, I'm not saying it's over because every team is not where they want to be at week one. No, no. But just those, oh, those, oh, you know, kickoff coverage, it'll get a little better. No, no, no. Right. It's got to be the real deal this week. Right. There is no, well, you know what, there's there's getting better next week. I mean, you want to continue to get better each and every week, but now the W's and the L's count. Right. So that's that's all that really matters. And the Raiders uh, have a very tough schedule. Everyone knows they have a tough schedule. Of course, in the first five weeks, they, they play every one of the division opponents. And then you add in Arizona and Tennessee in there, and that's the first five uh, weeks of the regular season. That's a tough That's a tough out for any team. Now, do I think it's too tough for them? No. Hell no. I don't think there's any team on the schedule that they can't beat. I also don't think there's a team on the schedule that they can't lose to, right? I mean, there's a, a team. NFL, that's the thing about the NFL, man. It, it's literally, as much as people hate to hear it, it's any given Sunday, any given Monday, any given Thursday a team could go out and win. Now, there's chances like when the Texans come to town, I don't expect them to be a really tough team. But actually, I don't expect them to be no pushovers either, right? So you can't take it and approach it like that. So you got to do it one one week at a time. And this week, it's the L.A. Chargers in L.A., the Raiders home away from home. It's going to be interesting. We all remember how it went down uh, week 18 last year uh, for the Raiders to punch their ticket to the playoffs and the Chargers to punch their ticket home. 
right? I mean, they, they had a, a do not pass go, do not collect $100 mode uh, when they left the Legion Stadium last year. You know, they did not get to go to the playoffs. The Raiders did. So uh, we know that that's going to be in the back of their mind as well. They want a little bit of a revenge factor. So this should be a fun game on Sunday. Uh, punch my ticket to go to L.A. So I'll be taking off on Saturday afternoon and uh, headed out there and, and be ready to bring you all the sights and sounds from SoFi Stadium and, of course, get some locker room action after the game. But it's only Tuesday. So we got to get through the rest of the week before we get to there. But uh, very excited about it. The wife asked me. She said, well, at least it's a short week. And I said, it's not really a short week. I know we didn't have work on Monday, but Tuesday we work. Wednesday we work. Thursday we work. Friday we work. Saturday we work. Sunday we work. I mean, it's not really a short week. When does the week end? It's the same week. <laughs> right, exactly. It really doesn't end. I mean, it's, it's keep on going. Keep on going. It doesn't stop. There is no short week. And that's okay. I'm all right with that. So we got a lot to get to on today's show. Before I even let you know the guests that we have coming up, uh, the Raiders have made some additions to the practice squad. They signed wide receiver Keelan Cole. I think that's a big deal. He's a wide receiver that was released uh, when cutdowns came. And I thought, and I remember saying, as a matter of fact, on this show, that, you know, there's there's spots for four veterans. Keelan Cole would be a sneaky good guy to get on the on the practice squad as a veteran. Now, that doesn't mean that another team can't come sign him, but then put him immediately on the 53-man roster. But to get a veteran like Keelan Cole... And get that guy on your practice squad? Think about this. And no disrespect to Zay Jones. No disrespect to Deshaun Jackson. Lightweight. No disrespect to, you know, who they were working with last year outside of Hunter Renfro because he was the dude. But think about that. Keelan Cole's on their practice squad. Think about how good of a wide receiver he is. A veteran wide receiver. And I know he was playing late in preseason game number four. And that kind of all gave us the idea that he probably was going to be released. But this dude is a hell of a wide receiver. And you got him on the practice squad? I'm talking about practice. Practice. Not a game. We talk about practice. He's on the practice squad. That's a big deal. They also put guard Alex Bars on the practice squad, and then they released defensive end Zach Van Vackelberg from the practice squad and placed offensive lineman uh, Vitaly German on the practice squad. Is, uh, practice squad injured list, excuse me. Remember, he was just signed late last week, so he's probably a guy that's going to get released uh, sooner rather than later. But, uh, yeah, there you go. There's the two additions to the practice squad, Keelan Cole and guard Alex Bars. And I'll say this before we even get into really the, the meat of the show today. The Raiders still haven't added a veteran offensive lineman onto the 53-man roster. Remember the conversation that we all have had? What are they going to do with the O-line? How are you going to make the O-line better? Oh, they're going to wait till cutdowns. Remember, that was the that was the theory. We're going to wait till the cutdowns, and then they're going to go out and sign a veteran. And we all questioned it. I don't know what veteran they're going to sign when that happens. Well, guess what? As of right now, they still haven't. They've added a couple guys to the practice squad, but not to the regular roster. Yeah, that's one of those things, like you said, we all thought, but I'll give someone like Vinny credit for saying, hey, the Raiders, they don't really like what's out there on the market already. Right. But you just thought, hey, someone's got to be an upgrade. They got to have their eye on somebody. Exactly, yeah. because we see with the Alex Leatherwood being released that, hey, they got to bring in someone else, right? Yep. But the team is showing us, as of this moment, they like what they have right now. Right, exactly. That's the biggest key. They like what they have right now. And if they were as concerned about the offensive line as the majority of folks are, Including myself. I question it. You know, I'm not going to act like I'm cooler than the other side of the pillow and I'm not thinking about the offensive line. I'm thinking about the weapons that this team has, but I'm also thinking, well, you got to be able to protect. And, and, and look, the coaching staff, they're a lot smarter than me, so they have an idea of what they're going to be doing. Now, I don't know what it is that they're going to do to work around the struggles that the offensive line might have early, but if they haven't felt the need to go out and make a move already, then clearly they feel like that they have something – worth working with, right? They feel pretty comfortable in what they had, or they would have made a move already. And also, I think maybe it's not so much as the talent, but the scheme. 
I think that this coaching staff believes in themselves enough to say we can get these guys to where we need them to be. Right. And also with Derek Carr, he's going to get the ball out fast enough to where he's not someone that's just going to sit back there and pat, pat, pat. Right. He already knows to get the ball out quick. So Derek Carr getting the ball out quick along with the coaching up that this team has done with his offensive line, I think that they believe, hey, we have the pieces in place. Right. I agree. I agree. So that's some of the conversation that we'll have coming up on today's show. We'll also get into a really good conversation about the Raiders defense, but I do want to let you know the guest that we have coming up. Very excited about the guest lineup. Always excited about the guest lineup. It's so funny. Uh, Allen of Vegas, uh, I tweeted out that we were going to have Tim Kuhn from ESPN.com. He was going to be on the show to talk about this piece that he put out about Devontae Adams that was fantastic. And I got to give DeMond a lot of credit because without me knowing – DeMond knows how I think. Allen in Vegas knows how I think. As soon as that hit the whatever, hit the internet, hit the website, whatever it was, DeMond reached out to Tim to try to get him on the show. I reached out to Tim to get him on the show. Allen, when I tweeted out that he was going to be on the show, was he tweeted, why did I know he was going to end up on Q's show? Uh, (laughs) He understands the method to the madness, right? I mean, if it's something that is worth talking about, we're going to talk about it, right? And, And the standard here on Raider Nation Radio 920, not just Unnecessary Roughness, but the standard here is always to bring you the best guest, not to bring you some ho-hum, whatever, backdoor, whatever little fans-only page or whatever. I don't, I don't know, but we're bringing you the heat. So Tim Kuhn from ESPN.com is really, really good. It's, it's funny. He, he said that DeMond had reached out and said, hey, uh, we're going to get you for 3.30. And I reached out and said, we're going to get him for 2.30. And he was like, I think 2.30 is better. I said, done. All right. DeMond had it covered. We knew that one, one way or the other we were going to get him covered. Got him from corner from both angles. So a uh, good get right there. That's going to be a fun uh, a fun conversation. And that article that he put out on ESPN.com, I encourage you to go check it out. Uh, I tweeted it out earlier at your boy Q254. Really good piece on Devontae Adams and whitewater rafting with Derek Carr and you know how they actually almost died while they were whitewater rafting. I mean, just all kind of stuff that takes you into the background of these guys that is more than even just on the field. So a really good piece that Tim put out. We'll talk to him about that coming up at 2.30. 3 o'clock, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. That's no longer part of the Houston Chronicle. I did see... He said he has a couple different announcements to make. I did see he's going to be part of Sports Radio 610 in Houston, and he's going to be covering the Texans and going to be writing stuff for their website. So I know that that's one of them. That was tweeted out earlier today. So we'll ask him about that. I don't know what the other one is yet. He has not announced what the number two is, and he's got a couple different things that he's working on. But John McClain is a great NFL mind, so he'll join us at 3 o'clock. Ed Graney, as I mentioned, from our sister station ESPN Las Vegas, also the RJ, uh, he'll join us at 3.30 as he's right now in the locker room. So he can't join us at 2.30. So that was the reason why. And I know you were th- what you were thinking, Ed's going to join us at 2.30 because Ed always joins us at 2.30. Mm-hmm. Well, because the locker room, Ed's like, I'm in the locker room, so we'll have to push it back to 3.30. Hey, no worries. So Ed Graney is going to join us at 3.30, talk all things Raiders. He was there when Josh McDaniels talked earlier today. So he'll give you his thoughts on what he heard from the coach, what he feels like going into week one of an 18 ga- 18 week season, 17 games. Ed Graney will join us at 3.30. Then our normal Tuesday and Thursday guest, Lincoln Kennedy from the Raiders Radio Network, for, former Raiders offensive lineman. He'll join us at 4 o'clock. He does that every Tuesday and Thursday. And uh, we'll, ask, we'll ask Lincoln, you know, hey, what was it like, man? What was it like when you were out of preseason, training camp was over, and you knew, hey, this is, this is a game week. It's different. It, it just, it's got to feel different from a player waking up in the morning knowing you're going to practice, not training camp practice, but you're going to game week practice. It's got to feel a little bit different. I don't know how it feels, obviously, but it's got to feel different. It's exactly what you said. Like It's not training camp 
all the classroom work that was put in, like installing everything is out the window. Now you're focused on the chargers. Right. And it's just got to feel so good. Just, hey, every week, uh, this entire week is just focused on Justin Herbert. I mean, Austin Eckler, all those players on that team that you just know, the week is just lining up for mm-hmm. that one game. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's not like it's not like you're just working on trying to get the team better. You're focusing in on the Chargers. You ain't worried about the Cardinals. You're not worried about the Titans. You're not worried about the Broncos or the Chiefs. You're only worried on the Chargers. And that's your focus. That's I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Can't wait to see what's actually how it goes down, how it all shakes out. But, man, uh, it should be fun. Another season is upon us. We have made it. We've made it through the offseason. We made it through the slow time. And I say that in air quotes because, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, did it ever feel slow to you? No. <laughs> no, I, I will say around like that July 4th area, that's always the time where there's really just no sports on. But, I mean, when it comes to the news cycle – it never there slowed down. It never, it, to, to me, about. it felt like it was never slow. I know there was a lot of people that said, oh, man, this is a slow time of year. I was like, no, it's not as busy. But to me, it don't feel slow, right? It just still felt like there was so much going on. And uh, that's a good thing. That's a good problem to have. So here we go. Tim Kuhn at 2.30. John McClain at 3. Ed Graney at 3.30. Lincoln Kennedy at 4 o'clock. Those are the guest lineup that we have for you today. Plus, of course, we want to hear from you throughout the course of the show at 702-365-9200. And the Salmon Ash text line at 69187. Keyword R&R. We're going to start things off talking some Raiders defense. Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So as the Raiders are preparing for game number one against the Chargers in L.A. on Sunday, of course, you can hear that game right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We all anticipate this Raiders offense being fantastic. We're all anticipating Carr to Adams for a touchdown, Carr to Waller for a touchdown, Carr to Renfro, Jacob scoring a touchdown. We we all anticipate the offense playing really well. Of course, there's always going to be the questions about the offensive line until they prove that they could be that top-notch squad and, and protect Derek Carr and really go out there and do what they're supposed to do. But for the most part, I believe that we all think that the offense is going to be cooking with grease. I know I do. I expect Adams to have a monster year. I think Waller's going to have a monster year. And I think Hunter Renfro is going to have a monster year. Even though the numbers might not look the same as last year, I still think he's going to be a big-time player. So then you look at say, okay, they won 10 games last season. And I know you can't really use last season as a barometer because a lot of things are different. But if their defense, which is something we've talked about quite a bit, if their defense could be worth the salt, and I mean better than worth the salt. I, last year, I think that they were just that. I think they were good enough to help keep them in games. And then the offense was able to win the game for him. I feel like that's what the Raiders' defense was. Not very good in the red zone, but still made the other team struggle enough to score where it gave the offense an opportunity to get, you know, to get back in the game to win, which they did more times than not. Yeah, the, the ultimate cliche to use for that defense last season, bend, don't break. But they broke a lot. Yeah. In the red zone, they broke a lot, <laughs> yeah, right? That, that was the part where the breaking happened. Yeah, the breaking happened where you don't want it to break. You don't <laughs> want it to break in the red zone, and it broke in the red zone quite a bit. They were the worst team in the red zone as far as defense goes last year. So I found this pretty interesting, and I believe it was either on – I don't remember what day it was that I was watching NFL Live, but I, I, I watch those shows all the time because that's just what I do. And Marcus Spears, he's a guy that I really respect, longtime dude in the NFL, hell of a defender, uh, you know, and, and he's a sharp – NFL mind. He started talking about the Raiders and he talked about the offense, but then he pointed out the defense. Don't let the Las Vegas Raiders defense get hot with new defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. This offense is going to be hell on wheels, y'all. You got to determine who you're going to cover on that side of the ball. 
But if this team come together up front and on the back end, if they get some synergy with Trevor and Morig and they put Abrams around that box and they are able to cover people, the, you may be looking at a team that we may be counting out a little bit too early in this AFC West arms race. I know we're going to talk about Waller and we're going to yeah. talk about Adams and Hunter Renfro and Derek Carr. If this Raiders defense get hot, you may be looking at the best team in football. Whoa. Woo. Now, I, I had this on my Labor Day edition of the podcast on a Monday. We weren't here, so I had to do some kind of radio-ish type stuff. So I had to do uh, have a conversation about this. And, yeah, he didn't say the best team in the AFC West. He said they could be the best team in football. Now, I'm, look, I'm not going there and saying that they're going to be the best team in football. I want to see it on. I want to see it happen, right? And that's what he's saying. If this defense on the back end and on the defensive line could step up and really play the way that, that Patrick Graham wants them to play, they could be a dangerous team. Now, again, I'm going to save the best team in football until I really see it, until they do it consistently for some weeks. Then I say, okay, well, hold on. Now they're on to something, right? It's, it's so funny. The, uh, the, the Locked On Raiders, po- or not Raiders podcast, the Locked On Podcast Network, they put their rankings out or something, you know, their power rankings for week one. And it's so funny. I'm reading these comments from the host of the individual shows, like the Bronco guy, Cody Rourke. Love him to death, man. He's a good dude. But, man, he's so offended. He's like, somebody put the Broncos at 20th. Somebody voted him at 20th. And I was like, well, okay. You know, and but he was so angry. Hey, no 20th best team and all that. I was like, well, I ranked him at like 12. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I thought they were 12th or something. It's it's so funny, but these guys are getting so angry by power rankings. And I say all the time, power rankings don't mean anything to me, especially week one. What does a power ranking mean week one? I know no one's played a game, but shouldn't the power rankings be where you have them? I mean, so if, some, if someone doesn't have the Broncos making the playoffs. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> And this is just me. And I really went through it really quickly because, I, again, it's week one and I don't really care. But week one, I put the Rams as the number one team and I put the Bengals as number two. You know why? They were the last two teams in the Super Bowl, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's not college. It's not recruiting. It's not all this. I mean, look, they were the last two teams standing last year. So I put them there. So no big deal. Got all season to change where you're, where you're ranked. But that's, that's just me. But these guys got so offended. But I'm, thinking, I'm just looking at it and I'm thinking, like, man, how good can this team be if this defense is really – Really good, not just worth the salt, but really good, right? If they can slow teams down in the in the red zone and not give up touchdowns as much as they gave up touchdowns last year, instead give up field goals, how much better can they be with the offense that we all believe is going to be high power? I mean, it could be pretty dangerous. It, it really could be. I mean, I look at the off top. Who do you think the best team in the AFC is going to be? Ooh, I'm going to go chalk and go with the Bills because that's the consensus. That's kind of the and consensus, I, it's right? The consensus, and I see where everyone's coming from. And for the lack of, because I don't think the Bengals are going to be able to repeat and go back to the right. Super Bowl. I don't either, but, you know. Yeah, so just to be safe, I'm going to go with the Bills. I'm going to go chalk. And that's kind of what everyone's feeling. Well, what do they have? They have a really good offense, really good quarterback play, an alpha dog wide receiver, Stephon Diggs, and they have a lot of others around them that are really good. And a defense that's really good, too. I'm not saying that the Raiders are going to be the Bills, but if they have that strong defense, why can't they be a, a, a super solid team that teams like, damn. Better watch out for them because not only is their offense dangerous, but their defense can can make some things happen. Now I know there's a lot of things that have to come together. The secondary's got to got to come together. There's a lot of questions. There's not a question as far as I'm concerned with Nate Hobbs. Rock, there's a question to see if he could be that guy. He's been consi- inconsistent so far in his career. Can he be that dude? If he can, great. If Anthony Averett has to step up and be that guy, can he be that guy? He did well last year. Can he do it again? You know, I mean, there's there's some question marks as far as consistency, and that's okay. This is, I mean, that they'll they'll. Show who they're going to be sooner rather than later. Got a big test coming up this week. But I, I want to know from you, Raider Nation, 
realistically, in your opinion, knowing the 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 players that are on that defensive side of the ball, led by Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, realistically, how good can this defense be in 2022? Like, in your opinion, how how good can they really be? I'm not saying best team in football. I'm not saying they're going to be the best defense in football. I, again, until I'm shown that, I'm not going to say that. Until they do something like that consistently. But how good? I mean, just knowing the players that they have, how good do you think they could be? If they finish inside the top 15, that's as, I feel like that is the ceiling. That's about the ceiling? Yes. Top 15? Like if the, they've reached the peak of their powers. Because we always talk every year, don't we say, if they just had a middle-of-the-class or you know yes. middle-of-the-road defense, middle-of-the-road defense, can they be better than 15? Well, 30, 32 is well, 16 would be middle. Yeah, so I'm going to give them top 15, but okay. I, I couldn't see this being a top 10 defense. That's okay. just me personally. No, I that's fine. And I would think that for this team to be a top 10 defense, the turnover, the interceptions would have mm-hmm. to increase. It would have to be, I'm not saying that Max and Chandler would have to combine for 30 sacks, mm-hmm. but it would have to be these two dudes being alpha dogs, both of them having career years coming off the edge. Everything would need to go right. Okay. And I'm saying for some teams out there, they have the players in place that right. not everyone needs to have a career year. No, I got you. I got you. Okay, so that, that's fair, you know, and I know that there's questions. You know, the linebacking crew, I think they're going to be good. Denzel Perriman, we saw what he did last year. I think Divine Diablo is going to take another step. I'm really excited about Jayon Brown, your guy, comes over from the Tennessee Titans. I think he's going to be sneaky good that nobody's talking about. I really do. And then you have other guys behind him. You have, you know, uh, Masterson, you have Butler that could come in and spell him. But, I mean, I don't expect big things from them this year. But I do think Jayon Brown's going to be special. And if the Raiders can find a number two corner that's going to play opposite of Nate Hobbs and be that dude, whether it be Rock, whether it be Anthony Averett or other, I don't know, hell, if Sam Webb gets in there and starts, whatever. Whoever decides that they're going to step up, they're going to put their big boy shoes on and, and step up and, and make it happen. Top 15, I think, is fair. You know, that's what we always are, are pounding the table for. So how about they aim for around, I don't know, 12? Is that it's a little high. Sounds a little high. A little it's rich. a little high, and I know that what the preseason we keep saying like, "Hey, those games are over," and there wasn't the starters plan. But how are they going to be stopping the run up the middle? And how's the back end of that secondary going to look? And it's going to game number one is a perfect game right out of the gate because right. we have heard about Justin Herbert ad nauseum. We know that he's the best thing since sliced bread. Right. So, but let's see in this first game is he going to be attacking that Raider secondary because if they can hold their own against Justin Herbert. That's going to be a good sign for the rest of the season, season moving forward. One quick text out the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. This defense feels like a top 15 for sure. I'm going with my gut at 12. So there you go. Text right there. Top 15 for sure. Going with the gut at 12. How about 702-365-9200? How about we go out and talk to our guy, Raider Dave in Denver. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, man. Hope everybody had a good weekend. I'm enjoying my first day at work back, having my replica Raider Super Bowl ring to just pop up in everybody's face and say, <laughs> this is where my focus is this year. And I think that if you talk about, you know, top 12, top 15 defense, I think you're right there. If you look at uh, a site called Cover.com, they showed them in some categories as 14th last year, making top 15. But maybe more importantly, when it really came down to brass tacks, they got into the playoffs, they were top five. So the potential is definitely there, and they're certainly a lot better uh, than they were last year. So I think that's going to be an easy deal there. Now, what I originally started to want to call about is how the Raiders were going to win week one. And I don't think that they want to or need to put on an air show to go ahead and uh, show everybody on tape what they can do this year. When you uh, start off the season and timing is everything and getting the – the offensive line to pass block and be together, it's much easier on everybody to run the ball. And how do you keep Herbert from getting downfield? 
you keep the ball from their offense. So I really think that the Raiders will concentrate on a heavy run game and uh, throwing darts when they want to pack the box and try to start that stop that run. Okay. Hey, good call. Thank you so much. And I'll tell you what, if they pack the box at all in the game, they're going to be playing with suicide, man. That's like that's like a death wish, right? You you pack the box, you stack that box, you got to leave guys one-on-one on the island with guys like Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and Hunter Renfro. That's a recipe for disaster. So I'm with you on that. Uh, I do think that they're going to put the ball up in the air early and often. I do think that they're going to have a very balanced attack, but I don't think that you're going to see them just go run, run, run. Let's try to keep, uh, keep away from Justin Herbert. Because I think that Josh McDaniels and company, especially those those players on the sideline, are like, he ain't nobody. We can run with that cat. I mean, I said it before, and correct me if I'm wrong. Anyone, please correct me if I'm wrong. 69187, keyword R&R. There's not a team in the league with more offensive firepower than the Raiders. They can compete with anybody. If there's one team they can't compete with offensively with firepower, just with the talent, please tell me who that is. I know there's 32 teams, but maybe that 33rd team is the one that I'm not thinking of. Let me know about it. Again, 69187, keyword r Coming up next, Tim Kuhn from ESPN.com will talk to us all things about one of those big-time weapons the Raiders have. That's Devontae Adams. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. You don't go into opening day and it's just vanilla ice cream, you know. Usually there's maybe some chocolate and some sprinkles somewhere, but I mean, you know, you 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 know, it's probably a little bit more toned down on opening day because you're not exactly sure. But um, you know, we just got to make sure we know what's in our cone. You know what I mean? To start the game, you know, and figure out exactly how we're gonna, you know, play the game on our terms, and you know, and. So let let our guys go out there and know what their assignments are, be confident in what they're doing, you know, and then once it happens, uh, yeah, there's the the strategic part of it is fun. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Raiders head coach Josh McDaniels right there taking us through the 31 flavors, apparently of ice cream at his presser earlier today talking about week one, game one, which comes up on Sunday versus Chargers in L.A. One of the flavors that we know he'll be working with on Sunday as they take on the Chargers at SoFi Stadium, is Devontae Adams. And to join us now on the phone lines from ESPN, you can find his work on ESPN.com, is uh, Tim Kewen. And Tim, thank you so much for your time. Put out the piece, Devontae Adams, his route to Vegas Bliss. Fantastic piece off top. Let me just go ahead and, and salute you for that. It was really good. I had so many people tweeted at me and say, hey, you need to check this out. I'm like, way ahead of you. Already checked it out. Matter of fact, we're going to talk to Tim this afternoon about it. So uh, just from your piece and really reading that, you know, Devontae Adams and Derek Carr, they really bonded this relationship. They formed this relationship. And uh, the whitewater rafting event that happened that really could have changed their lives in, in a bad way really seemed to me like something that really brought these two together. Was that one of your biggest takeaways from this piece? Yeah, it was, Q. First off, thank you for the nice words. That was that was nice of you. I'm glad you liked it. But, yeah, definitely, I think uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny because Devontae just sort of uh, – drop that into conversation. You know, we were doing a, a TV interview with him as well because it's part of our, our cover story. Uh, franchise includes a TV feature that'll, that'll roll out on Sunday on NFL Countdown. Um, and, and, you know, he just sort of just started talking about this when he was talking about their relationship and what they've been through. And, and you know, he was talking about the chemistry on the field and how good that was when they were teammates at Fresno State and how good it's been really through the years as they have, 
worked out together in the off season and done all their, you know, done all their stayed together, you know, while they were on other teams, separate teams. And, and yeah, he just started talking about this. And I thought, you know, this is pretty crazy because, <laughs> you know, it started out with Derek just asking him if he wanted to go whitewater rafting and, and Devante who describes himself as, you know, like a, a kid from East Palo Alto, which <laughs> if your listeners know, yep. it's a far cry from the, the Silicon Valley glitz and gleam that is in everyone's mind probably. Um, but East Palo Alto is a little, a little bit rougher and a little different. And he's had, you know, he had some, some, struggles as a young man and, and he says you know we don't white water raft in East Palo Alto so he he thought they were going boating you know he thought they were going to go out and, and just sort of float down a river you know and uh and so things were a little bit different they hit a they hit a class four rapid right off the bat and and uh you know they had been prepped beforehand that beforehand that the one thing they couldn't do is the guy told them was stop paddling the guy was like whatever you do keep paddling so as Devante's sort of reciting this story, he says, you know, and what's the one thing I do when the water hits? It's I stop paddling. And so <laughs> Derek did too. And Devontae flies out. Derek flies out. Uh, Heather, who's now Derek's wife, she kept paddling. She was the only one besides the guide. <laughs> but they, they said what, what they call is they clear the boat. When everyone is everyone falls out of the boat, that's called clearing the boat. And the, and the, the guy, a guy named Ryan Suarez, said he, can count on two hands the number of times that's happened, and, and it happened. It happened when he had two of the strongest guys he's ever had in a raft. So it's a, it, it was, uh, it was, it was fun. It's funny now, but it was, it was pretty harrowing at the time. Yeah, I can imagine. You know, and reading it, it's so funny because we think of Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, their relationship on the field and all the great things they did at Fresno State, as you said. But, I mean, man, this was something that, you know, happened obviously off the field. It happened while they were out having a good time or supposed to have a good time. But it really, really just bonded them, and it seemed like for life. And, and what you mentioned, never stop paddling. To me, uh, and you wrote the piece so you could tell me, it felt like that that was the theme of not only the piece, but really of Devontae Adams getting to Vegas. Never stop paddling. He's now in Vegas with Derek Carr, and they have bigger goals, so they have to keep paddling towards him. Definitely, and, and Q, that's a, that's a theme for Derek, too. He never stopped paddling in his pursuit of Devontae to get him to join him in Vegas. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a theme for the Raiders. You know, we all know what they've gone through in the last year plus and then, you know, on the field for, for, for years beyond that. And, and I think that they see... Derek especially sees Devontae's arrival as a, a chance for this team to sort of reset with new coaches and, and, and get back to, to the topics just being about football. So, you know, he's, he's kind of, you know, symbolic of that, of that keep paddling mentality. And they, they hope that it, that it translates on the field as well. You know, Tim, you mentioned Derek's pursuit of Devontae, and it was massive, and I didn't realize it was as major as it was until I read your piece. But, I mean, this guy loses a playoff game to the Bengals and is immediately on his phone. Devontae hasn't even played in his his playoff game yet. Like, hey, what is it going to take to get you here? Like, he really wanted him. So, I mean, for Raider Nation that doesn't realize, Derek put the full-court press on Devontae and basically wasn't letting up until he was ready to come to Vegas. No, that's that's exactly right, and and you know he not only he not only called him right after the Raiders lost, and and Devontae was preparing for his game in the divisional round against the Niners the next weekend. But you know, if you remember back, no one really expected the Niners to win, but they did. So right. the Packers were out of it earlier than than most, you know, than their seeding would have indicated. 
And, uh, you know, Derek was right back with Devontae. He even said, he told me, he goes, you know, I, I wondered what was the proper time that I needed to wait to give him a chance to process what had just happened. And I said, okay, well, how many days was that? And he goes, ah, that I texted him the next day. So <laughs> he, he really, uh, you know, he, he really was waiting for this this moment, I think it was the time that both of them thought if this was going to happen, it was going to happen now, and obviously it did. Talking right now with Tim Kewen here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. You can find Tim's work on ESPN.com. Fantastic piece on Devontae Adams. My man Demond's got one for you. Yeah, Tim, I want to ask you first before I get to my actual question. <laughs> if you were in that white water rafting situation, would you have also stopped paddling? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I've done some, but never class four. But, uh, you know, I... I I will say that I probably would have stopped too. I would stop. I think my eyes would have been as big as theirs because I've I've, I've seen what I know where they were. I've, I've watched some videos of people going down this this spot called Bonsai Hole in the southern in the Upper Kings River, and it it is it's not for a beginner. And that's what the whole thing was. These guys were doing this for the first time in one of the you know one a place where people travel from across the country to go whitewater rafting. Okay, yeah, because I I was reading the story and I'm like, yeah, I would I would have been there right with them. Just <laughs> I would have stopped paddling as well, no doubt. But for Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, when it comes to the recruitment of Devontae Adams, how much do you think was it the lore of playing with the former college teammate? The percentages of it's hey, you get to play with your former quarterback and you also get to leave Green Bay and play in Las Vegas to be closer to your family. Yeah, I think you know, Demond. I think it's it's. Hard to put a percentage on it, but I would I would probably say that that it tilted slightly more toward the family side. You know, he very much wants to play with Derek, and that's a that's a great situation. Um, but the fact that he's been kind of marooned in Green Bay, and and I say that he doesn't. He kind of talks about the logistical issues that come about when your family's in the Bay Area and you're come you're flying back and forth to. OTAs and mini camps in the off season and, and trying to get there, um, but you know I, I think that that he it just seems so happy and his family says they've never seen him this content. Um, you know it's interesting because we kind of don't think about these parts of athletes' lives because we tend to look at you know their lives as being perfect because of all the money they make and the the adulation they get, but. And he's got two grandmothers that are in their 80s who have never been able to see him play an NFL game live, you know. And so this allows them to to get there. You know, they, they he feels like they can get to to Vegas, and and uh, you know that 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 plays that means a lot. You know, I mean these guys these guys are human beings with families, and Devontae's a big family guy, and uh, yeah, I just think it's I, I think it's a big part of it. I think if if Derek was <laughs> I think if Derek was in Buffalo, Devontae might still be in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> right? That that makes a lot of sense. Again, we're talking with Tim Kewen here on NSA Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. And Tim, I asked Devontae this. The day he signed, we had him on the show, and I asked him how much he's seen himself grow from being a young man in EPA, where EPA is a tough area. You know, seeing seeing his neighbor's house get shot up and him having to go out and grab his sisters and bring him in the house. I mean, those kind of things happen on the regular in EPA to where he is now comfortable with his family in Las Vegas, with his college teammate, but, you know, just in a much better place. How much from your interaction with Devontae have you even heard him grow up? Oh, yeah. I I think that, you know, it's – I think one 
good indication of that is the fact that he opened up for this story because I know he's been he's been very reticent to sort of uh, you know show this side of himself um, until now. And I think it's been calculated to some extent where he even said that he didn't really want to get let himself uh, be known before he felt like he earned it. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's something about him that's it's the keep paddling thing, I guess. But, you know, it, it, there's so many wide receivers that, that thrive off that, you know, throwing their words out there and then trying to run them down, you know, and he's just never been like that. And so he's showing sides of his personality now that, that he didn't before. You know, he's got the Taco Bell ad. He's got all kinds of things in the works now that he's in Vegas. And, um, you know, I, I was speaking to his mom, and, and she was just saying that, that she's never, you know, she, she's never seen him this happy. And, and it just feels like, um, you know, it feels like he is, is finally in a spot where, you know, I mean, he's been extremely successful, but this feels like everything's lining up, both the personal and the professional. All right, something that I've got to ask about Devontae Adams, because I see it more and more, is that he really wanted to be a basketball player. <laughs> but now, I know that he's not in the NBA, but how much did his basketball background help him as an NFL wide receiver? Oh, I mean, he tells you, his mom's funny, because I said because she was telling me about his exploits as a basketball player, and I said, do you miss watching him play basketball? And she said, no, I see him play basketball every Sunday, because what he's doing out there is basketball. Um, all those moves he makes, and, and he says that, too. I mean, like all of his, you know, he's known as the, you know, the king of release, right? He's the guy mm-hmm. that gets off the line and creates separation better than anybody, you know, maybe ever, you know? And, uh... And that's all he says. That's just all him channeling his moves from basketball. You know, they're all that 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 hot move that he has, where he kind of stands up and then reads the shoulders and goes one way or the other. It's if you watch it, if you if you imagine a basketball in his hands, it's a crossover move. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and so you know he was a very good basketball player, and and you know I guess. <laughs> If nothing else, this probably isn't my big takeaway, but he's an argument for, for playing multiple sports when you're in high school. Yeah. He's employing he's uh, he's employing the basketball moves out there on the court on the football field. Yeah, no, he really is, and I'm right there with you. I've I've always believed that that guys should play as many sports as they can in high school, and just uh, yeah, I, I don't think that that hurts ever. So uh, yeah, I'm not mad at you at all for for that take. And obviously, <laughs> De- De- Devonte Adams is showing each and every uh, time he's out there on the field what his uh, basketball skills is helping bring to the table as well. Again, we're talking with Tim Kewen here on uh, Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions as far as this piece goes, and you know, Devonte Adams and Derek Carr, we talked about him off the field. How excited is he to get? To work we didn't see him all preseason long but how excited is he actually to put some real action to to work on on the football field yeah i think i think they're both really excited about it you know they they if you look at what Derek carr's accomplished and i know there are questions about Derek in terms of you know his his clutch performance at times and 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 how he stands in the pocket and all that but if you look at how he has performed with the receivers that he's had and the numbers he's put up, they're pretty remarkable considering he's never had anyone like Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. You know, he's had, he, he's had, he's turned Hunter Renfro or helped turn Hunter Renfro into a thousand yard guy. He's got Darren Waller, but, but Devontae is a game changer for this offense. I mean, it, it feels like it should be anyway. I mean, he can, he can stretch the field. He can make the tough catch. He can, he can kind of be an outlet for whatever they need. And, and I know that they're they're really excited about about getting out there and, and sort of putting that 
you know, as as Derek said the first day in, in camp when he looked over and saw Devontae, he just almost laughed because it was like, you know, the deja vu all over again thing because they were so they were so tight in college and such, you know, not only great teammates but friends. No doubt. That's good. A lot of good stuff. And Tim, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you, I mean, again, you put out this great piece and I encourage everyone to go check it out on the dot com. Uh, what was the one thing that stood out to you the most that you were not aware of going into uh, writing this piece about Devontae? You know, I, I I had read, it gets back to Derek and Devontae where, you know, we kind of get jaded, right? We hear, oh, this guy's great friends with his college quarterback or his college teammate or, you know, and then and then you get into it and you realize, eh, you know, I mean, they're they're just kind of <laughs> they're saying that, right? But these two guys, these two guys are close. I mean, we, we, I, I was with them on a day when they they played golf out at Shadow Creek, and we were fortunate enough to mic them up for part of it. And it's genuine. I mean, these guys they hang out off the field. Their families are close. Um, it, it, it's more than just like, oh yeah, these guys played together in college, and they're. You know they're looking forward to playing together again. These these guys are these guys are friends through and through, and and uh, it was kind of fun to watch. You know, it was kind of fun to watch them interact and and how they, you know, how they they get along and and just their their back and forth between between each other. It's uh, I don't know. It was it was <laughs> it's kind of heartening to watch. You know, to to drop my uh, my jaded journalist side for a while. <laughs> All right, you say that you know you got to see them on the golf course. How close are they in the golf game? <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I will to, to to stick up for Devontae, I'll say he has not been playing nearly as long as Derek. <laughs> but he he, uh, he is obsessed. He loves it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Derek's a two handicap, so it's probably unfair to compare them. But um, but Devontae's really good, and and. Uh, you know that's another reason he likes Vegas, and he can play. Uh, that that uh, that window for playing golf just opened wide up from Green Bay to Vegas. <laughs> Tim, you know you, you mentioned something that just really stood out to me. You said that he's obsessed with playing golf. How obsessed is he with being the best in football? Because he told us in a media session, someone says or he said something about comparing him to Jerry Rice, and he said, "I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I got work to do. I have a lot more goals." Did you see that obsession in the game of football when you were talking to him? I, I definitely did, and I heard it from other people that are around him that how he kind of. There are times when they're having conversations with him, the people that are closest to him, and he'll just kind of check out, and uh, you know he'll he'll just go into some other place, you know, and there'll be sweat beating on his forehead, and and they'll have to kind of snap him back to to reality and and ask him, you know, what what where were you just then? And he'll say that he was you know seeing what he was going to do on the field that weekend. He's he he's a he's a Massive film watcher. He's a he is a perfectionist when it comes to how he runs his routes. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't. I get the feeling that he does not do anything halfway. Right. You know, I yeah. Think that holds for golf and football. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that, and that's what the greats do. You know, the greats are absolutely obsessed with what they do, and and we get to sit back and watch it and appreciate the the great work. And speaking of sitting back and watching the great work, Tim, again, I can't compliment this piece enough. It is really good, outstanding. If I told you as many people that sent it to me when it hit uh, the dot com, you would be amazed. But uh, plenty of uh, great feedback on it, so we appreciate your time. You gave us plenty of it, and, and great work on the piece with Devonte. Hey, thanks a lot. That's that's great to hear, and it's nice of you to, to let me know that. So I appreciate it and enjoyed being on.
All right, appreciate you. There he goes. Tim Kewen right there from ESPN. You can find him on Twitter at Tim, K-E-O-W-N-E-S-P-N. His piece on Adams, path to the Raiders, uh, Devontae Adams, his route to Vegas, bliss. And it's really good piece. Again, I've had so many people send it to me. Uh, DeMond already knew as soon as he saw it that, oh, got to go reach out to Tim and get him on the show because Q's going to want to talk to him. And I was thinking the same damn thing. So really good stuff from Tim. Definitely appreciate his time. 2.50 is the time. Take a quick break. Come back. Close out hour number one. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Big shout out to my guy Tim Kewen from ESPN.com. Join us in the last segment. Had a very good conversation, all things Devontae Adams. If you missed that, you can check it out at LVSportsNetwork.com. It'll be up a little bit later on this afternoon. Also coming up at the top of the hour, John McClain. Uh, he'll join us to talk all things NFL. The Raiders have released uh, uh, they've released their depth chart. We'll talk about that as well coming up in the next hour. We'll also talk with Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, who's currently in the Raiders locker room, and I believe he's one of the people that are talking to Darren Waller. So you want to uh, hear what Darren Waller had to say? I'm not in the locker room, but Ed Graney, Vinny Bonsignor, and more are, so uh, he'll be able to give us a report on that. Also, I'd like to, you to hit us up at 69187 keyword R&R. Let us know what you believe, realistically, how good can this Raiders defense be in 2022? DeMond said top 15. I said 12 to 15. That should be a good range. What says you? Again, realistically, how good can this defense be in 2022? 69187 keyword R&R. That's the Salmon Ash text line. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.